my wife said, you ought to bring, we've got this little ornament that you push and it's got Linus and in the Christmas story where he reads this portion of scripture, she said, what I ought to do is take the little Linus thing and let his uh, uh, speaking this for this portion of the scripture. But it's a very familiar one. And uh, as you're reading it, just uh, I always think of Linus's uh, rendition of it. But um, what's that? Yes, verse eight. Isn't that what I said? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, 8 through 21 on page 1018. And the, sh in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among all whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered where the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he came circumcised, he was called Jesus. And they given to was Amen. Well, thank you, Lord, for this uh, these words that we've heard so many times, Lord. And uh, just open them up fresh and anew to us today, that uh, it would not just be something that we'd just uh, uh, do year on year, but uh, just make it real. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all that you've done for us and giving your son's life for us. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I think we should do that when we go through Ezra and Nehemiah, when we have those genealogies. That'll be fun. Well, Merry Christmas. Well, our Advent series, it started with our acknowledgement of our agony with sin. We then looked at God's assignment to be faithful to His promises. We looked at the announcement of Jesus' birth last week and last night, the arrival of God's Son. And so this morning we have uh, our adoration. Uh, we have three points this morning after we see uh, the angels meet the shepherds is our adoration looks like, and we'll see this in the text, is our adoration, we adore God by obeying Him, we adore God by remembering Him, and we adore God by worshiping Him. And so let's pray again. 
Father, you are so good to us. God, I just thank you for this church family that we come together on a, a special holiday, but on a Sunday where we gather as your people, the Lord's Day. Uh, God, he, your son, is the Lord. As we remembered last night, he was King of kings and Lord of lords. So God, would you help us to adore you this morning? to have affection for you and love. For you so loved us that you sent your son to give us eternal life. So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see some of the background, I won't read it again, of... Uh, Coming out of what we saw last night and Jesus being born and laying in a manger, if you remember his humble circumstances uh, last night, being born, uh, coming from a forgotten town of Nazareth to a, another no-name town of Bethlehem to a no-name family of Mary and Joseph uh, to come and be uh, our king. And so we start our time again this morning with some nobodies, some shepherds. Uh, we're all familiar with these stories. The no nativity scene is left without shepherds. Um, shepherds are not influential people in this culture. They were often considered thieves. As they're out in the outskirts of the cities, they're out in the fields at night, they had a tendency to mix their sheep with other sheep. And they're, miraculously, their flocks get larger uh, over the evening. These men are the first men, though, who hear about the uh, announcement uh, and the birth of Jesus. It also doesn't happen during the day. It happens at night. Many of you know that King Charles in the United Kingdom, he became king when his mother passed away earlier this year, Queen Elizabeth, uh, on May 6th. I don't know why they wait so long, but on May 6th, they're going to have a coronation. And I'm sure there'll be presidents and prime ministers who show up and probably some celebrities. And it'll be a big, big extravaganza. And it'll be during the day broadcast for the whole world to see and experience this coronation. It would be a bit odd if the coronation happened at night and none of the presidents and no prime ministers came, but they just got some homeless people from London to come and, and celebrate this. But this is what happens in the birth narrative uh, of Jesus. At Jesus' birth in the known name Bethlehem, uh, his humility is immediately shown again. Luke showing us that even the lowliest in culture, the shepherds, are encouraged to come and go behold Jesus born. Gabriel's not the one who announced the birth of Jesus. As we saw, uh, he announced the conception of Jesus in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. It's these shepherds, a no-named angel, comes to them. But the glory of the Lord shone around them, and it caused them to have great fear. If you recall from a few weeks ago when we were looking at Zechariah, when Gabriel met Zechariah in the temple, fear came upon him. When we are uh, within the divine presence before us, when men and women behold the divine presence, they cannot help but have 
fear. When we're faced with the holy God, our depravity is clearly known and we shrink back in fear. And these shepherds are doing that again. But these angels, they declare the most common command in all of scripture. I think you all know it. Fear not. Because there's great joy, but also there is great news. The angel says he brings good news of great joy. This great news is that Jesus has arrived, that he will live a perfect life, that he will die a substitutionary death. He will rise to provide eternal life for those who believe in him. And that turns great fear to great joy. I'm sure like any mother, Mary was joyful at the birth of her first son, but true joy, a relief of the anxiety and the fret in the face of a holy God comes through the life and ministry of Jesus himself that is to come later after he lives his perfect life. It's great joy now, but it will be even greater joy for Mary when he rises from the dead. And the angels, they bring good news. He brings the gospel. The word here is euangelizo, where we get the word in English of evangelism. The angel is proclaiming good news, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus' birth, just in the beginning of his earthly, or Jesus' birth is just the beginning of his earthly ministry. The angel says in verse 11, it's good news because Jesus is born, a child of David, in the city of David, a Savior, a Messiah, the Lord. Remember last night, the King Caesar, the most powerful man on the earth, or King David, the most influential man for the people of Israel. But here, all the focus is on King Jesus, who is Savior, who's more powerful, who's more influential than anyone, yet arriving in humble circumstances in the no-name town. So King Jesus is not on earth the day of his birth to deliver the shepherds from their earthly misery and their earthly oppression. He's come to deliver them from their spiritual oppression after he lives and he dies for them. That's good news of great joy because we are all guilty before a holy God. The angel gives them a sign, a sign of humility. He says, this baby will be in a feeding trough to go to Bethlehem, go back into the town. And immediately the whole heavens are opened up and the angels, a multitude of them start to worship. The text calls it a heavenly host, praising God. And this word heavenly host is a word that conveys thousands. It says a multitude of angels was present doing what they were created to do, to worship and adore God. And their message is that of worship and praise and the adoration that follows. They say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God. You've heard me explain the glory as John Piper does as his holiness manifest for us to see. God in his holiness has sent forth a savior for us. He has to punish sin and so he sends his son to pay the price for that sin. And in his holiness and requiring payment for sin, we see God's glory, his holiness displayed. And the message of praise is also that of peace to those with whom God is pleased. It's not peace on earth to everyone. It's peace to those with whom God is pleased. As Christmas has arrived today, many will have, if not already, presents. 
to have a good meal this evening, probably with some family or friends. Maybe we even feel the peace of winter after a chaotic two weekends of storms. But for those who are not reconciled to God by the death of His Son, there is no peace. Sinners are not pleasing to God, and holy people, though, are pleasing to God. But let that not discourage you. By believing in Jesus as the substitute for your sin, the words that the Father says of the Son in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, after He's baptized, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, becomes true for you and for me. You are His beloved Son. You are His beloved daughter. He looks upon you as Jesus because Jesus took your sin. And the shepherds get a model to follow in their adoration. They've seen these angels worshiping. They get to adore God. And adore means to love or respect greatly. They heard the great news firsthand, and now it's their turn to worship and adore. And the angels adored God for His great mercy and holiness to men, to those who would believe in Jesus. And the shepherds adore Jesus in three ways. Like I said, they obey, they proclaim, and they worship. And let's look at verse 15 again, and we see these three ways in which we adore God. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. First, the shepherds, they obey. They went to Bethlehem. Their first words were, let's go. They went in haste. As I was thinking about this, I'm thinking of that, you know, as it like Flight 93 when September 11th when the guy, Beamer, right? That was his name. He said, let's go when it's recorded. Like, he went with haste. The word haste literally means that they went with exercising special effort, zealously. They didn't delay, and they went to Bethlehem. Think Black Friday. Folks lined up outside of the store. They know exactly that thing they want to get. They know exactly where it is in that store. When the doors open, which most people do it on online now, but back in the good old days, when the doors open, the folks just run to the back of the store. They get whatever they can get. They did not delay. They went in haste. These shepherds, they know where to go. So they go. They find Jesus. First, they obey. They go without delay. Our first call to adoration is obedience, friends. As you leave this morning, as you reflect on Jesus' birth this week, hopefully even the weeks after this, as much as possible, consider your adoration through obedience. Remember Jesus' words from the Gospel of John, those who love me will keep my commandments. These shepherds do what he says, what these angels say to do. So first, they adore by obeying. Second, they adore or love by respecting God, by proclaiming the truth. Mary and Joseph already knew what had taken place, and so these shepherds, they go and meet Mary and Joseph, and the shepherds then begin to share what took place on their end and what their perspective was, because they just could not hold it back. It's Christmas, so you kids have probably already shared with some of your friends in here what you've received already. 
they sh we share what we worship, what we adore, what we care about. When you kids go back to school in a week, depending on if your school was canceled last week because of electrical outages, or you go back in a couple weeks, you'll probably share what you did over Christmas break or what you might have received from Christmas. These shepherds cannot not share what took place. The Lord has made known what he has done. They find the events to be true as they meet Mary and Joseph. They share with Mary and Joseph, allowing them to then participate and experience and worship and adore God too in the process. The shepherds don't question like Zechariah, if you remember when Gabriel met him in the temple, how will this be possible in his doubt? They don't question like Mary when Gabriel met her and said, well, how can a virgin have a child in her confusion? They say this took place and so they go and they proclaim the truth without hesitation. We talk about what we love. The Red Sox winning a World Series or getting this player in free agency or Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl or my kid got into this college or I got a new job or I got a promotion or I'm glad the tree didn't fall and knock out my power. We adore by obeying. We also adore by proclaiming. When you see the newly engaged couple, they're kind of annoying, right? Where she just says, oh, he is so handsome. He does everything perfectly. And then, you know, you see them five, six years later in their marriage and like, oh, he's kind of a jerk. Or you see the, 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 the guy is like, oh, she's so beautiful. I would do anything for her. But then, you know, a few years later, he's on his phone and he's like, can you just get up and help me? It's natural, though. When you adore something, you talk about the thing that you love. For God's people, adoring God by proclaiming who He is and what He has done is natural. We do that here on Sundays in preaching the Word. We do that here in our singing by having songs based on the Scripture. We do that here in praying our prayers based on Scripture. God's people adore Him by proclaiming the truth to one another and to the world around us. We see Mary in verse 19. She treasures these things in her heart. The crowd, as you recall from a couple weeks ago, after the whole situation with John the Baptist and Zechariah, they treasured these things. They stored these things up in their heart of what had taken place. Where we store up God's Word in our hearts so that we could be encouraged, we could be reminded by it later on down the road when we have our doubts. When Mary, Jesus' mother, was walking with Jesus early in childhood, playing maybe on the floor in Joseph's workshop, I'm sure she probably thought, is this really going to happen? When Jesus grew up and helped out maybe as a natural kid would in his father's workshop and helping around the house, you know, Mary and Joseph, like, is he really going to be the savior of the world? Or when they were at the wedding in Cana, remember the story, when he says to her in response to turning the water into wine, you know, that they ran out of wine, he says, woman, my hour is not yet here. I think some doubts creep, crept into her mind or when her son was hanging there on the cross, dying. Think about the things going through her mind. I remember what Gabriel told me. I remember what took place at his birth. I remember when he healed someone or spoke words of truth. 
restore up God's word, Psalm 119.11 says, in our hearts that we might not sin against a holy God. We proclaim God's word and truth as a way to adore God. We love and respect him in this way. We store up God's word so we can obey. We can store up God's word to adore him because of what he has done. We store it for ourselves so that we can proclaim it to ourselves and we store it up for others so that we can proclaim it to others as well where we can remind each other of the truths in God's word and what he has done for us. And that is a way that we adore God where we are made to worship him. We adore God by obeying him. So let's go because he said to go. We adore God for proclaiming the truth of, to others of who He is and what He's done. And so we open up our mouths and we share. Many of you will do that or have done that over the last couple days as you're having a meal and you're reflecting on Christmas and you're reflecting on, oh, His Son was born and reminding the people sitting around your table uh, why we gather during this time. And third, we adore God by praising Him for who He is and what He's done. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the shepherds, they worship. They glorify God. They praise him for what he has done and what they have seen. They love and respect God. They, their fear of destruction has now turned to a fear of reverence and a fear of worship and adoration. They worship God for who he is and for what he has done. Jesus hasn't died yet for their sins, but they worship anyway. He hasn't paid for their sins yet on the cross, but they glorify God because he was born. They're resting on what Jesus will do and what the Bible calls faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The shepherds know and they adore God by worshiping him. Tim Keller says, The word worship is from the old English word, worth-ship. The ascribing of highest worth. Whatever you value or love the most, whatever is your greatest source of significance and security, you are worshiping in your heart. Worship in church is just an expression of that. And so we worship what we adore and what we cherish. We adore God by obeying Him. We adore God by proclaiming truth about Him to others and to ourselves. We adore God by worshiping Him, expressing back to Him, that he is our greatest treasure. He has done amazing things for us. And the boy gets a name. His parents obeyed and gave him the name Jesus. And Matthew's gospel says this in verse, chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save. If you believe, he has saved. He deserves our adoration. And I mentioned it last night and preparing for last night and this morning, I just realized I don't really think about the birth of Jesus very much. 
as much as we think about his death and resurrection, we talk about that all the time. But his birth is tied to his death and resurrection. They go together always. God had to send his son for a perfect, as a perfect substitute to die and to rise. And so as you continue your day today, I just encourage you, adore Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And tomorrow, we get to do the same thing. And the next day, we get to do the same thing. And next week, we get to do the same thing. And we get to encourage each other. Are you worshiping Jesus? Let's encourage each other and share what God has done. It's so encouraging to hear stories of ways God has blessed other people where you can give him the praise that he is due because he is a great God where God's word corrects us and encourages us and God's people correct and encourage us too with our own words so that we can go away glorifying God and worshiping him. We were made to worship. We were made to adore God, to love him, to respect him. He is the object of immense and greatest joy and no one else deserves our worship and praise other than God. And so let's be a church that worships God. Maybe we be known in 2023 as a church, like those people adore their Savior. He truly has brought us great news and great joy. Obedience ceases when we feel like God is not good to ask for things or worth following. Prayer ceases when we feel like God is not kind or that he doesn't give good gifts to his children, or he's not in control of everything. Worship ceases when we desire other things other than God, when we adore other things of this world more than we adore our God and Savior. But God sends his son to die for those sins. And our doubts and our fears and our failures, they all turn to joy, where joy never ceases when we behold the Son of God, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so let's adore Jesus. We have a couple more songs to sing as we close out our time. And let's leave in a posture of worship. For we have a great God who has done great things for us. This is preparation for heaven when we will adore God forever, perfectly, for all eternity, together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for sending your Son. You are the only object of worship that is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. But because we do not and we did not worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love you and adore you, God, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, who came in humble circumstances to die a substitutionary death, to rise, to give us newness of life, to make it possible that we would be at peace with you, that we would be at peace with others, and that we could worship you in spirit and truth. And so we ask that you would help us to do that now and forevermore. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.